Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. We've been going through this journey for the last several months through the book of Exodus. It's not really about the book of Exodus. It's about wandering in the wilderness and about the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness. And God didn't take them. He didn't he didn't deliver them from Egypt, from their bondage of, in Egypt, because that's where we were. They were slaves and in bondage in Egypt, which is a representation of the way we are in the world. We're bound to the things of the world. We're bound to sin and death, is what the Bible says. It's like our chooser has been taken away. We learned early in the year that we all grow up and we all start out life being parented, whether they're our parents or not. We are raised by imperfect people in imperfect situations. And because we're born apart from God, we're separated from God, our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, are left to try and fend for itself, to take care of us. And so we learn coping skills and coping mechanisms. When we're hurt, we learn ways to ease that pain. When we're disappointed or lonely, we learn ways to fill those holes or gaps in our lives. And so those coping skills, we learn them as children, and then as we grow up and they stop working, because childish things don't work near as well when you become a young adult, then we begin to develop young adult coping skills. And then we develop adult coping skills. But none of them work. They'll get us through but they don't work because we weren't created to work that way. And so the whole story of Jesus, the whole story of God in the Bible and the story of Jesus is all about a reconciliation back to God so that we can actually walk in life the way we were intended, not frantically trying to meet our own needs through our coping skills, not trying to soothe our pain through drugs or in addiction or through codependent relationships or through all of these other things that become addictive in nature that become our coping skills. We weren't designed to work that way. When we were restored back to God, that is the same as him freeing the children of Israel out of Egypt. But then you're in the wilderness and they were in the wilderness and they began a journey. And so in this journey that we're going on, we discovered a lot of different things about how God is taking care of us and how he wants good things for us. But we, like they did, often want things our own way. So we will circumvent God's plan and purpose for our lives in order to maintain control. You guys, and I'm not saying this in a bad thing. You know, people talk about sin and they talk about all this bad stuff and everything. All sin is, is just in, it's just our coping skills running riot in our lives. It's just a way to not feel the way we feel or to numb the pain of feeling the way we feel. So we do all of these things to change that, be it what they would call lust of the flesh, which is, you know, the different things that we do, be it sexual, be it drugs, be it bungee jumping or whatever, you know, all of these things that we do to try and get a dopamine high out of life so we don't feel the way we feel. It's all because we've been separated from God. 
in this journey in the wilderness. And for those of you who don't know, what happened to the children of Israel, they, after 11 days, they came up to the Jordan River. They were supposed to go into the promised land, which is the land flowing of milk and honey, after 11 days. And so spies were sent in. 12 of them were sent in, and they came back. 10 of them said, it's beautiful over there. It takes two people to carry a cluster of grapes. They're so big over there. It is wonderful over there. The land's fertile. It is flowing with milk and honey. It is great over there. But here's the problem. There are giants over there, and they're too scary, and we can't, we can't do anything about it. So we can't go in. We can't go be part of that. And you guys, that's exactly the way we handle our lives. We come up when God wants to bring us into a new place in our lives. We come up and we look over and we see all the things that could go wrong and we get afraid and we want to go back to what's comfortable. And so after everything that the children of Israel went through, parting of the Red Sea, being fed by manna, water coming from the rock, all of these miracles, all of this stuff happening, they still longed to go back to Egypt, which was bondage. So this last time that we were talking about that, God came and gave his Holy Spirit to 70 elders, and we paralleled that to Jesus' time, and we began talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and what that means, what prophecy means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about Paul saying, I wish that you all would prophesy, just like Moses had wished that everyone would be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to go to John chapter 16 and verse 5. And so let me set this up. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he's talking to his followers. And they're, they're pretty upset because he's talked about in chapters 13, 14, and 15 that he's having to go. And the disciples are pretty upset because this is Jesus. All their life has been geared around hanging out with Jesus. And so they're like, well, you know, now they're sad. And he says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin. The helper is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to go. But listen, you guys, you're not going to be alone. Let's go down to verse 12. And Jesus tells them, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I say that he will take of mine and declare to you. We've talked about prophecy, and we gave kind of a definition of that as being a foretelling of things in order to edify, encourage, and comfort the body which is the group of believers. And we talked about that being part of the Holy Spirit. Now, right there, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will speak the truth to you 
and he will tell you of things to come. Now, why would he do that? Why do we need the Holy Spirit in us? What difference does it make? This is the challenge that we have in churches today that was warned about hundreds of years ago. The problem is, is it's we've stopped having a relationship with God and we put it all into these acts of obedience, these traditions, man's words, instead of having a relationship with God. And what does that look like? Well, why would God say this? Because life is hard. Life is incredibly hard. It's difficult. It causes us pain. Bad things happen in this world. And the only way to navigate through it is if someone's there to help you and guide you. And I'm not talking about just being able to read the Bible and gain wisdom out of it. I'm talking about God living inside of us and speaking to us. And so when he says that he will reveal truth to you, that is what gives you the ability to be able to read the Bible and have it make sense to you. And then when he says, he will tell you of things to come, that's the simple definition of what prophecy is. I don't know where everybody's been at, what church background you come from, what relation with God you have. I myself was raised in a Southern Baptist church. The gifts of the spirits were not taught. We weren't taught about any of that. It wasn't until I was an adult after I had an encounter with God and he came and got me. And just like the children of Egypt, they were delivered from Egypt. The children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. I was delivered from drugs and alcohol. Now, he didn't take away all of the stuff on the inside. He didn't take away the hurt. He didn't take away the desire for things to be better. He didn't take away the frustration. He didn't take away the anger. He didn't take away who I was. He just took away that thing from me believing that meth was the answer to my problems. As I set out in my life, when things are happening, I can read the Bible. I can hear about the different things in the Bible and get these stories. That'll give me some wisdom in dealing with the issues of life, but that doesn't tell me about like what's going on right now. And I give the illustration of, in life, we're walking down a path. All of us are on a path. And that path usually determined by the choices we've made. The only way I can put this is from out of my life. In my life, because of things that had happened in my past, I was experiencing a lot of pain. I had a lot of regret about things that I'd done. I had a lot of uh, shame about who I was because of things that I'd done. I did a lot of not good things. I was not a good person. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. I was horrible to Pam. I was just a terrible person, but I didn't know how to get out of that. I didn't know how to change course in that because I would go along and because of this hurt and everything inside me, when somebody would say something in a certain way, it would just trigger my emotions and I would feel that way. And so I would automatically run back to what I believed had worked to make me feel better, drinking and doing drugs. And so then when that was taken away, I felt empty. It was... It, I just was a mess because it's like, what do you do now? What do I do now? And so I would go through life and I would face these situations and automatically the things inside me would try to revert back and control things to make me not feel the way I felt. But what do you do when you can't drink or do drugs and you keep feeling this way? You start trying to do other things. I would look towards Pam and if she wasn't acting the way I felt she should act and it made me mad 
and I would feel hurt, I would feel rejected, and so then I would turn to other things. I would spend money I shouldn't have been spending. I would get mad at my boss at work and quit because I just couldn't deal with what was going on. But then I would have no money, so Pam would be mad at me. So the cycle would keep going, and it would keep going. I would borrow money from people and couldn't pay them back because of the choices I'd been making, so they would be disappointed in me, and then I would get mad at them for not understanding what I was going through. They were so mean to me because they didn't understand, hey, listen, I'm going through all this. I'm doing my best. It's not my fault that things are the way they are. You guys ever felt like that? I started going to church because that was supposed to make it better. People would tell me these stories and tell me the way I was supposed to act and the way I was supposed to think and and all of this, but it wasn't making it better. They would read me this stuff out of the Bible, but it didn't make sense, and so it wasn't making it better. I tried going to church and tried to be like those people, and it wasn't working. My life wasn't changing. I still felt the way I felt. What do you do then? What do you do when your last hope is God, and so you go to church because that's what you're supposed to do when you want to meet God, and then that doesn't work? What do you do? I began to learn, because God was working in my life, that he wanted to have a relationship with me. And so little things would happen in my life. I would be going along and somebody would come into my life and say something to me and it would feel different. It's like, oh, wow. And so it would feel different and it would cause me to recognize something and then I would listen to it and take it in and it would help me make decisions later on. When you come to the point that you're tired of things being the way they are and you just kind of let go, that's when God can come in and change things. But the biggest problem we have is we have a preconceived idea of who God is. So we start trying to make him fit our lives or make our lives fit this idea of who he is. And we can't have the relationship and we mess everything up. And that's why it's so important that we have the spirit dwelling within us. And people think that's a weird thing. And when I talk about prophecy, they think it's a weird thing. When I talk about the gifts of the spirit, they think it's a weird thing. But it's just as simple as what that scripture was that I had read, that he will come and he will tell us of things to come. You guys want to hear a story? I'd gotten out of the army. I'd been clean for a year when I got out of the army. Had no idea. I was wandering through life. We ended up out here on this 280-acre farm. I was working 60 hours a week in a cabinet factory. Caretaking on this farm with cattle and everything. I had a three-year-old daughter. Pam was seven months pregnant. And I got orders that I was being reactivated. I had to go back in the army because I was on inactive reserve. This was for Desert Storm. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I was afraid of what might happen if I fought it. I tried to fight it, but I was afraid if I just didn't go. I tried to get exemptions. I tried everything I could to keep from going. And so this one night, it was about 10 o'clock at night. I had been working. I worked so hard, but it was so awesome. And this was in 91 long before some of you guys were even born. This is in 91. There was a lot of ice and sleet that year. I had gotten the cows taken care of, and I went behind the barn. And you, could, for as far as you could see, you couldn't see lights. It was just dark. There was no people out there. And I had never done this before, but I was just lost. And I was like, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do, God? 
if I go, I could end up dying. I'd never get to see my kid be born. Something horrible could happen. If I don't go, then my life could be, I mean, I've worked so hard to try and come back from drugs. Everything could be ruined. I could end up going to jail. What am I going to do, God? As I'm out behind this barn, there's a light sleet on the tin roof of the barn. Sounds like static. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I just had a knowing on the inside. It's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of everything. Crazy. And so I went and I told Pam, I said, I'm going, I'm going to go. Now, let me fast forward on this story. I went in, I went to Alabama, did my retraining. On the 27th day, they said, we've got to get you out. The war is over. You're going home. And they hurried us out and got us out. Long story short, the reason why they got us out is if I just stayed in for 30 days, I would have been eligible for insurance and, and all these other benefits for Pam from the government. But because they got me out in 28 days, I was not eligible. We had lost the farm, so I didn't have a place to stay. I had lost the job that I was doing. They would have given me another job doing something else, but I had lost the job that I was doing. And so I was just stuck and I wasn't eligible for unemployment. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I got mad at God. It's like, God, you said you were going to take care of everything. You said it was going to be okay. So a guy that I knew who was good in business, I had gone and talked to him and told him what was going on. And he said, write them all letters, write all the doctors. I ended up, we had the baby, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of debt. Thousands and anesthesiologists, hospitals, doctors, all this stuff, thousands of dollars. I owe all this money. And, and so he said, well, just write them all a letter and tell them that, you know, you want to pay. And you'll just ask them to be patient. And so this is what God did. I sent those letters out and we started getting back letters saying, thank you for your service. Your debt has been cleared. They wiped everything out. So God really was taking care of me. It just didn't look like what I thought it should have looked like. And that's what God does in our lives. And so often because it doesn't look like what we think it should look like, because it doesn't happen the way we think it should, we run away from it. We make choices and sabotage the things in our lives. Make other choices. Do other things. And God, meanwhile, is trying to do everything he can to try and help us, try and get us through these situations. But he can't because every time we turn around, we're making dumb choices. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.